Jay Delling, and it's here that we peel back the proverbial onion on how leadership makes the world go around. Today's podcast is sponsored by Canadis 3, the experts in leadership development, coaching, and consulting. Canadis 3 develops people into leaders of people. Today, our focus is on the insurance and wealth management industry. Our guest today is Jeff Jamison, president of IMA in the Wichita, Kansas market. Jeff, thanks for stopping by to talk about the impact leadership has in the insurance and wealth management industry and to talk about leadership in general. Welcome. Thank you, Jay. I'm uh, I'm excited to, to be here and have the conversation. Yeah, Jeff. So you've got a really interesting story about how you got introduced into the insurance business. Talk about that interesting period in your life. You bet. So, uh, you know, one of the kind of the uh, inside jokes within the insurance industry, uh, at least when I got into it, was that nobody uh, finds their way into our business intentionally. I know there's risk management degrees today that different colleges offer, but at the time, uh, just about everybody that found their way into it, really, uh, it was not an intentional path. And I had a... uh, a relative that bought a small agency and uh, insurance agency, and he came to me and he says, hey, Jeff, he says, I know you have a hobby and interest in motorcycles. And one of the interesting things going on today is that uh, that's when personal watercraft were coming out. Uh, motorcycle dealerships want to sell them. Uh, insurance companies don't offer any personal watercraft coverage, so they can't do demonstrations. We're going to create a program that nobody else has except maybe one or two other markets. And uh, we're gonna go out and uh, I think there's an opportunity in a five state area. And uh, I lived in Indianapolis at the time. Uh, I was single, I was open to travel. Uh, I said, great. I said, uh, I get to talk to motorcycle dealerships. Uh, We kind of created a little bit of an 800 call in number. uh, So the uh, potential buyer could secure uh insurance personal insurance on the motorcycle so they could get lending from the bank Uh, it was really a unique program and it really taught me a lot about the sales process one is while i needed to understand uh, the insurance product just as importantly i needed to understand the uh, the industry group that i was trying to serve and gain credibility with them so uh it was really kind of a match made in, in heaven. I got to travel. I got to talk to people that owned businesses in an area that, that I had interest in. Uh, it was in the upper Midwest, uh, Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, Ohio, and Michigan. It was a great run, uh, but what we found in our industry is uh, there was a lot of acquisitions that took place. A larger insurance company acquired the one uh, that uh, that I represented and they didn't like program business anymore. So it kind of forced me then to look at other opportunities, um, you know, within that insurance market space. So, um, but it was a great, a great experience for me. So Jeff, talk about how your roles early in your career around sales, marketing, carrier relationships, how that shaped how you would lead going forward. Uh, great question. So, um, so I thought I built some pretty decent um, sales acumen, you know, around that experience that I just talked to you about. And, um, you know, I really started to gain an interest uh, uh, in insurance. And so 
I started to, uh, I had to make a few moves, but I started to, to progress through some larger firms and uh, 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 brokerage groups. And all of a sudden I found that uh, I kind of moved from the sales piece. Uh, then what I, uh, what I seemed to develop the talent for is negotiating terms and pricing with the underwriter on the other side. And part of that was really, uh, I, I learned pretty quickly that I had to create or I had to gain a, uh, a talent for listening in terms of what the underwriter wanted to accomplish. Uh, ultimately, what my goal from that negotiating period piece was and how do I bring those together for a win-win um, solution for both the insurance carrier and what I was trying to accomplish for our client. Um, and I had some success in that area, and uh, pretty quickly I learned that I could replicate that same mentality to leading other people. And uh, that's when I started to uh, have opportunities, leadership and management opportunities open up, uh, up to me in that I had to understand what our associates were really trying to gain out of their career and what they were trying to accomplish uh, with whatever firm I was with. And then obviously and selfishly, the firm had something that they wanted out of that employee. So how did we create an environment that serves both purposes? And uh, um, I had some some good mentorship along the way. And, um, you know, I, I today I still try and, um, you know, uh, utilize that piece to, to listen to our associates, understanding what's of value to them. And then finding a way to, um, you know, kind of bring that into their work environment and create a culture that that they feel fulfilled, and you know, we we uh, are able to accomplish some some mutual goals uh, from a business perspective. Jeff, I love that answer because listening is a tremendous art in leadership, and in in our business and our our coaching and consulting business. We talk about listening all the time. We talk about the difference between listening to respond and listening to understand. And as I'm listening to you talk about that, I'm listening to a leader that listens to understand. Well, uh, I think all of us through our career, you know, we've had different leaders or managers and some uh, we experienced one style and technique that probably didn't resonate with us. And that was uh, for me personally, that was the leader that wanted to tell me how to do things, what went wrong, uh, how what their expectations were. And there wasn't a lot of feedback in that process. And where I started to blossom uh, is when I reported or um, spent time with a leader that actually said that wanted to understand how I viewed a situation. They would often present me with how would I find resolution to conflict or a situation. And then once they listened to my approach, then they would guide me down a path where I came out of that experience, um, actually learning how to take on uh, future situations. And that's that's a little bit of what I'm trying to replicate with the people that uh, that I'm responsible for. I love that, Jeff. So it, it's always interesting how the COVID pandemic reshaped how corporate America does business, right? So yep. 
How did the pandemic change your work environment and how did your organization adapt? Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, how it impacted uh, me personally is that um, the the style that I just represented to you uh, in terms of that listening, I think a lot of that too comes with just personal engagement with an associate and uh, over a cup of coffee or as you're sitting in a break room or you pass in the hallway and you say, hey, let's have a chance to catch up on this situation or another. And for me personally and my style, you know, COVID really uh, challenged that and that, you know, uh, those conversations were over Teams meetings. So for me, it really, um, you know, it really forced me to try and connect and uh, be more relevant to our people because I only got a short period of time uh, with them on a Teams meeting. So, you know, we had to do different things, you know, um, um, you know, examples were cameras had to be on, you know, uh, we didn't let people turn those off. We tried to create different functions and and learning situations um, virtually, which, you know, was a challenge, but we, we tried to keep it concise and direct. Um, we've come out of that now, and uh, uh, the byproduct of that is the desire for uh, or the interest in the remote work environment. And, you know, I think that pushes uh, our leadership teams to really be innovative and more engaging in terms of they've got to create an environment. We've got to maintain a culture where it's welcoming and people actually want to come in um, and collaborate with people and have um, have a situation where they've got relationships that they trust, they have respect. Uh, from other people that they work with, from their leadership group, and it's it's encouraging for them to come in. We've got to create an environment where they see advancement and development, and I think um, I think it's easier to do create that path with pre- people in our office versus what they um, what ultimately they'll experience from a remote work environment. We've got all kinds of challenges in the labor market today where our competition wants to lead with the fact that um, people can have an entire uh, remote work environment. Uh, I double down on the fact of how is that going to serve your career path and and what you want to develop in uh, eventually, you know, as it relates to your career. And I think people start to see that, um, which which has been really good for us here in the Wichita market. Uh, admittedly, we don't have some of the commuting issues that uh, other offices face, but uh, I think it's paid off. Uh, just recently, we won uh, the Wichita Business Journal for the extra large uh, best places to work. And I think that's representative of some of the hard work we've done in terms of bringing people back into the office. Oh, that's that's great news, Jeff. So driving discretionary effort within our people is always something that that we leaders strive for, right? So as a leader at IMA, what does that commitment to excellence look like to you and how do you manage and lead that charge? Well, um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, you know, if you're really going to have a commitment to excellence, um, I think you have to, you have to uh, 
develop uh, accountability within your group. Uh, if you don't have accountability, I don't know how you are going to uh, measure or determine the level of uh, excellence that 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 people are providing or striving for. I think our leaders have to to lead by example. It sounds cliche and easy, mm -hmm. but it's it's really at the core of it. So um, anything that we do from a leadership group, we have to uh, we have to do so in a way that um, our our clients and uh, our associates uh, understand that you know we're making a full commitment and living up to the same expectations um, and accountability that 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 we put in front of them. All right, Jeff, now we're at the point in the show where we get to know Jeff Jamison a little bit. All right, oh, I'm going to ask a question okay. or ask you to pick between two things. All right, so your personal interests include motorcycles, remodeling, and you like to cook. So yeah. this segment will be weighted on those things. So there are no points awarded, no prizes earned. You get nothing. Are you ready? All right. All right. I'm all, all right. in. So, so pick from these movies that featured a Harley Davidson. All right. What's your favorite? Wild Hogs or Terminator 2 Judgment Day? <laughs> well, I saw both of those and I loved them both for different reasons. But, uh, you know, I... Uh, while Wild Hogs gave me a great laugh and that was entertaining, I have to I have to stick with the Terminator movie. You know when when Arnold pulls up in front of the uh, you know the bar in uh, on the Harley Davidson uh, and goes in and kind of wreaks havoc. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to say it lightly. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard not to be uh, drawn to that. I'm uh, I'm a competitive guy and. Uh, uh, Anyway, yes, I would say uh, that was one of the one of the favorites. Pulp Fiction or Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Wow. Well, Pulp Fiction is pretty iconic. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I would probably go with with that one. There's there's probably a few parts. Uh, of uh, that movie that uh, our favorites. I don't know if I ought to dig too deep into the reason I enjoyed that movie though. I love it. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna switch to motorcycles themselves, the Harleys themselves. Yeah. The Harley V-Rod or the Harley Fat Boy? Oh, the Fat Boy, I tell you, uh, that was one of my favorites in, in the very beginning, especially it had that full aluminum rim. It wasn't the spokes. And I thought that just kind of set that motorcycle off. And uh, that was one of the bikes that I always wanted to have. I, I ride a, a street glide today, but uh, early on, the Fat Boys were a favorite. All right. The Harley Electra Glide or the Harley Sportster? Ooh. Probably go with the... Uh, I'd probably go with the Electra Glide only because, uh, you know, I've done a little bit of touring and the Sportster, um, that's a great looking bike. It's fun to ride, uh, but probably not the bike I would, would climb on to do any kind of long uh, uh, across country rides. All right, let's talk about remodeling. Yeah. Remodeling a kitchen or a family room? Oh, certainly a kitchen. I just went through that and uh, 
there's just a lot more creativity you can put into a kitchen. So not only the fact that I love to cook as well. So uh, the the home we bought when we came back to Wichita, I completely uh, uh, gutted that kitchen, took out a couple different walls. I designed it in a way that was pretty accommodating. I put in uh, an industrial size uh, oven, new cabinets. Um, I would think that uh, from a living room, you know, that's more of a cosmetic fix. And uh, I'd, I'd probably defer to my wife to do most of that. But when it actually came to the reconstruction piece, the kitchen was a fun project. All right. A cross-country trip with your significant other. Do you fly or do you drive? We would, uh, we would fly that. You know, she loves the beach. And not that I would be opposed to uh, to driving. I would probably uh, enjoy driving and, and seeing the different scenery. But she wants to get to the beach and she wants to get there quick and enjoy the time. So, uh, yeah, I think we would uh, we would certainly take the option of flying. Yeah, that, that's mine. I think my significant other would rather drive. But all right. So you've got the whole family together, Jeff. Yeah. Everybody's coming over to Papa Jeff's house. Yeah. What do you what what what's the favorite thing you cook for dinner? Oh, well, I'll tell you what, I'll take a, a, a double bone in pork chop and I'll put that in a uh, uh, peach brine and I'll brine that for 24 hours. I will uh, smoke it on a green egg and then reverse sear it. We'll do uh, twice baked potatoes, um, probably some asparagus on the grill. And um, let me see. Now, I don't do desserts, but uh, we'd probably finish that off I'll, with I'll a nice tiramisu. I'll bring because okay? I've just adopted <laughs> myself into your family, just so you know. You're welcome anytime, Jay. <laughs> All right, Jeff, back to reality. Um, yep. Again, you no prizes, no money. You earn nothing, but it was fun. So thanks for that. So every conversation I have on what leaders want will include the topic, my most impactful leadership moment or leadership period of time. So tell us about that moment or period of time for you. Uh, yeah, I tell you what, that was... Uh... I'm glad you asked me that because that was a special time for me. I was uh, I was at IMA, was here for about 13 years. It was a great experience, and I really thought about going the distance. At the same time, I'm from the Chicago area. Uh, my parents were at an age where they were having some health issues. I had a great experience growing up. I wanted an opportunity to, to give back to them. Uh, as fate would have it, a an insurance carrier, so the other side of the business reached out and said, hey, Jeff, we want to grow the Chicago market. We haven't had very good results. And uh, we've done business with you in the past on the brokerage side. Would you be interested in leading that Chicago office? And it kind of served both purposes. One is to get home to my my folks. And the other is, um, you know, I've, I, I, I've always kind of been in a uh, coordinator role, but I really wanted the chance to be uh, a head coach, so to speak, professionally. So I jumped on that. And um, it was uh, it was a company that, again, uh, given the size of the Chicago market, had underperformed. And so the first thing I thought is, you know, I really have to de develop a strategy or a vision. I came up with a four-point strategy for growth and profitability. 
And uh, as I sat and thought through that plan, I quickly came to the realization that I could have the best plan uh, there was, but without the buy-in of the, the people that I had, it was going to go no, nowhere. So um, it was really uh, it was really upon me to, you know, take that vision that I had, uh, you know, articulate it to them, create confidence uh, in that group, um, held them accountable to the same vision and efforts that I was going to put into it. We celebrated successes, which I don't think they really uh, had, re you know, rejoiced in in the past. And when we came up short, we took some time to talk through it. I tried to listen in terms of why they thought they didn't accomplish it. And they in turn listened to what I thought we could do to better improve those uh, those results. And I, and I really wanted to demonstrate that I was gonna give it the same amount of commitment and accountability that I expected from them. I talked about first in, last out. And, um, you know, I, I wanted them to understand that I was gonna work as hard to accomplish those goals as I expected them to work towards it. And we had, uh, we had uh, everybody, just about everybody uh, bought into it. Uh, it involved uh, a couple tough talent decisions. Uh, I think, uh, you know, hindsight being 2020, that's when the group saw that I was serious about uh, uh, what we wanted to accomplish. I think it demonstrated to them that I was willing to be accountable for what we were going to do. And we turned it around. And in a short two period time, uh, we uh, saw double, double digit growth. We, um, you know, we exceeded the profitability uh, budget. And, you know, probably the most rewarding thing for me outside of just the just the the numbers and the financial component is I still get calls today from people on that team that said, hey, through that experience, here's what I've done with my career. Uh, that Chicago branch has now got momentum that it's continued to move forward in terms of that growth trajectory and um, um, I've just stayed in contact with people that I think are in a lot better place because we all came together for uh, in a single effort to accomplish a goal and, and we got there. I love first in, last out. Love that concept. So, Jeff, you practice the mindset that you set the leadership temperature, if you will, in which you want the culture of IMA to be known for. So talk to us about those leadership skills you want to emulate to your organization. Yeah, so, um, and I really, uh, I got that from uh, a gentleman that uh, I reported to in the past. And when I came back, I still, uh, he he is now my, um, my boss. He oversees the central region. And, uh, you know, uh, Kyle has always uh, talked to me about the fact that regardless of any situation that you find yourself, uh, the people are going to look up to you and they're going to take your lead in terms of how they respond to a challenge or a conflict. And you as a leader and you alone get to determine or set set the temperature of that room. So um, what I want to do is, um, you know, always, always go into uh, each situation with my own personal culture or brand. And I think if you can commit yourself to that around things like, um, you know, doing things with uh, integrity and uh, respect for others, uh, 
Um, and if you face each challenge, um, always trying to maintain that 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 personal culture or brand and make decisions based on that. You know, you you elevate that temperature for other people then to to approach things in that same way. And that's and that's what I expect for our team leaders that I'm responsible for uh, when they have associates or situations or client conflicts to do the same thing. So I think that's really uh, how you create and maintain a culture uh, throughout an organization. Jeff, if you were to sit down and have a discussion with Jeff Jamison in his 20s, what advice would you give him? Well, um, it, I, uh, I am blessed to, uh, I am blessed to have uh, landed where I am and have experienced the success that I have in the uh, insurance industry. And uh, it's been rewarding for me. I've made great friends, great relationships, and uh, it's, it's been a good thing for myself and my family. Um, with all that said, uh, you know, what I would probably tell myself when I was in my, in my 20s was I was probably living uh, in the moment like a lot of us at that age. And I would have said, uh, hey, Jeff, you know, what you, what you should think about is really find some areas of interest, uh, determine, you know, who's been successful in that area, do all you can to gain some mentorship from them. And then ultimately uh, take some managed risk and bet on yourself. And I think uh, uh, if you do that, that kind of lends to the entrepreneurial spirit uh, that makes America great. And and uh, and I've got a chance to to benefit from that. You know, uh, one often thinks uh, if there's an opportunity that they may have gone in for, to business for themselves. I might have talked a little bit about that, but at the same time, um, you know, we are predominantly a uh, employee-owned or organization. I've got equity ownership here, so it's worked out really well. But again, back to your point, it would have been find something you have interest in, um, find a mentor, a successful mentor in that space, learn from that person, take managed risk, and then really invest in yourself. Jeff, that's that's an awesome uh, that's an awesome discussion to have with yourself. All right, Jeff, thanks for your time today and sharing your thoughts about leadership. I really enjoyed it. I've, I've jotted down some notes, so thanks for being a mentor to me. So friends, that's a wrap. We will put a bow on this episode of What Leaders Want, sponsored by Canadas 3, the experts in leadership development, coaching, and consulting. Canadas 3 develops people into leaders of people. So until we meet again, remember, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you, my friends, are leaders. Bye now.